Welcome to the Grace-Based Living Podcast by New Creation Church. My name is Christy. We're so glad you're tuning in. Parents, this is our parenting series for parents with teens. Be blessed and empowered by Pastor Matthews and his guest speakers as they share real-life experiences and practical handles on parenting and raising teens. And we're back on with Pastor Matthews and Miriam for this episode of our Grace Based Living Podcast. Hi, Pastor. Hi, Miriam. Hi, Hello. Hi, Christy. Hi. We last spoke about L, which stands for listen in the leap approach. And listening to our children isn't difficult when we see our own daddy God leading into us, constantly moving towards us in love. It is really from this place of belovedness that we are empowered to leap into love our children. Now, this leads us to the next letter in leap which is E. Now, E stands for empathize. This is not an unfamiliar term to all of us, but what does it really look like to different people? And how does it bring us from conversations where we're merely skimming the surface to real and deep conversations where our children share what's truly troubling them in their hearts? Pastor Matthews, what does empathy look like to you? Well, thanks, Christy. Um, I, you know, I've just been so looking forward to this particular podcast because it speaks so much to parenting. It speaks into my own life as well. Yeah. And I don't know about you parents, but um, I love a little bit of empathy, right? Don't you? When you're feeling down, you just want somebody to come alongside and say, oh, I'm sorry, are you feeling this way? And, <laughs> you know, you just feel so loved. Is that what it is? Yes. And so if I wanted to, uh, you know, use another term for the word L, listen is good, but love is also great, right? Yeah. You can only mm. listen out of love, right? Because, mm. uh, you know, that really makes listening all the more impactful in and likewise with empathy, I think you can only empathize out of love again. Is that right? Mm. And I know we love our kids. I know I know, I do love my kids. And parents, I know you love your kids. And sometimes you don't know what to do to make it better. And I know you want to make it better. And that's why you're even listening into this podcast. So really appreciate you for that. Uh, let me just go into that question you just asked. Empathy, what does that mean to me? And how does it look like? So I'm going to say this. Empathy has much to do with listening. So again, it's a tie-up to what we've already been doing in the last two podcasts. And I just want to say that it's just a follow-through on this as well. Empathy has got to do with listening. And it's interesting, Jesus said in Luke 8, verse 18, He says, Take heed, not what you hear, but how you hear. I thought this is such a powerful statement that Jesus made. It is listening with your heart. It's not what you hear. I know your kids can tend to go on and say a lot of things, but as parents, it's how you hear it. And then the, the response is how you respond. Yeah. It's listening with the heart. I really feel empathy is. Empathy is also, is different from sympathy, right? Because some people think, oh, I think empathy is, I'm just sympathized with my kids. I just feel sorry. But that's not what empathy is. Empathy is to put yourself in your child's shoes, to feel with the person. It is mm. deeper than sympathy where we only feel for the person. You know, we yeah, and we can sympathize with someone. When you empathize, you're saying, I feel what you feel because I have been through it myself. I understand where you are, what you're saying and how you're coming from and what you're saying. And, and I, I love that. So empathy really underscores love for the person. And empathy always tends to result in empowering the person. The result of empathy is always an empowerment of the individual. Is that right? Example mm. in Hebrews 4.15, for example, Jesus, the Bible, we all know this, Jesus is our high priest uh, and the Bible says he has compassion for us, right? I love the verse of scripture because I always tend to run to it every time I feel that, you know, um, and I feel a sense of a tinge of condemnation or tinge of something I've done wrong. And I've always had this, this ability to run to Jesus because the Bible says he's my high priest and he can be touched he can sympathize with my weakness, the Bible says, and he can be touched by the feelings of my infirmities. Literally, it says here that he had compassion, 4.15, Hebrews 4.15, that he sympathizes with our weakness and that he was tempted as we are. I feel, I feel really, I feel so encouraged when I hear that, that he knows what I, I, I feel. He knows what I've gone through. He has gone through what I've gone through. That's empathy, right? And the Bible says, yet without sin. I love that because the response to our empathetic high priest is that we come boldly. That's the next verse. Therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace, right? You notice there? 
There's empowerment right there. Mm-hmm. The minute you receive empathy from someone, you feel like running straight to the person's arms. You feel like sharing your heart out. You feel like crying your eyeballs out. You feel like wanting to hug the individual. That's what empathy does, right? Empathy makes makes the listener feel empowered when empathy is, is, is shared. So I just wanted to start off by saying that and to empathize well, we need to understand, you know, many times the kids are going through different moments and seasons in their life. But we want to see them in their now moments. You know, sometimes parents, I just want to say that we need to live in their world, in their reality. I know that, you know, sometimes we tend to enforce our past. I had this conversation, I remember, with my kids recently. And uh, we were talking about allowances in school. And I remembered many years ago, my own father has gone to be with the Lord. But when we were having our conversations when I was younger, my father used to tell me, I walk 12 miles to school and back every single day. I'm like, okay, dad, fantastic dad. How does, this, how does that help me today? It doesn't, right? So, you know, and, but then he was trying to tell me a point because, you know, money was difficult and we were growing up with not so much money. And, and so he was trying to tell me things. And interestingly, I caught on that and I was telling my son, do you know when I went to school, my father gave me 50 cents a day, just 50 cents a day. And in that 50 cents, 20 cents was my noodles. 10 cents was the drink. I could still save 10 cents, and which I saved and I, I, I saved enough to buy my, the things I wanted to buy. And then my wife turns around to me and says, what good is that to the kids right now? Okay. <laughs> I was not being empathetic, right? <laughs> of course, I was not being empathetic. But I was doing what my father, what I learned my father do. Yep. But, you know, we're trying to enforce our, our own past. But it doesn't work. We need to live in their present. So good. We need to live in their reality. We need to live in their worldviews, right? Mm. And we shouldn't be sharing our tribulations and sufferings and needs. And if you have it, please share it with the Lord. Please, parents, <laughs> cast your cares on the Lord, for He cares for you. Amen. I love that. Amen. Mm. We need to see them as young adults, right? I think that's what empathy means as well to, to us today. Just to answer that question, Christy. You know, our kids tend to be all grown up on the outside. Yeah. But interestingly, they are little children on the inside still. They still have their fears. They may be all grown up tall. Some may be even taller than you. They're just shooting up to the ceiling. And they have their insecurities, their fears. They are living in an adult world. This is a brand new expedition for them. Mm. They need your help. They are still trying for your guidance. They're still asking for help. They may not ask it so readily, but inside the cry of their heart is, help me, please. I can't navigate this, 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 this life. I can't navigate my life. Can you help me, please? So maybe when they were younger, they were looking for you to hold their hands. Do you remember that, parents? When they're going, Papa, hold my hand. Mama, hold my hand. But when they are getting older, they're not really looking for a hand holding, perhaps. Mm -hmm. But they're looking for a heart holding. Yeah. And I love that because they they want someone to understand their heart. Someone to understand where they are. Someone to feel what they feel. And that's where empathy comes in, right, parents? They need praise and encouragement as well. This is also empowering, I feel. And I feel sometimes that we give our, our little ones a lot more praise and encouragement when they're younger. But when they're older, we sometimes tend to pull it back thinking that, oh, they're old enough. They're big enough. They can manage their own life. Or sometimes we have our own negative thoughts. When I was growing up, oh, I love that statement, right? When <laughs> I was growing up, I didn't get a single word of sympathy or empathy from anyone in my family. No one said a single thing. I had a friend for my own life. That's not what they want to hear right now. They want to hear your praise and encouragement. The same children that grew up in your household, young at one point in time, but older now, they're still looking for praise and encouragement. And empathy is moving. I feel this, this is one of the points I want to bring up before I, I hand the time over to Miriam. Empathy is about moving from teaching to coaching. That's part of training, isn't it? Because when they are younger, we start teaching them, hey, son, this is what you do. This son, and we try to direct them. We're a little more, perhaps, instructional. But when you're coaching, you're a little more foundational. You're a little more relational. I love that. And coaching is about journeying with them, recognizing their weaknesses, and having a conversation with them like, like two adults would, perhaps. Putting, not putting them down seeing them and calling out the best in them. Is that what a coach does? Yes, we talked about this before, but I think it's worth repeating. We want to just put this down across to your parents so that it comes into your DNA. Hmm. Because when you know you're a coach, you will then empathize well. You are no longer, yes, you're a parent, 
you come alongside as a friend, as a coach, you want to raise them up to your level. The whole approach is different. And I feel lastly here that we want to focus, empathy is about focusing on the person, not on his performance. I think this is really, really powerful. It's about knowing the child that you have, a child that God has given you and gifted you with, and focusing on the individual because the performance, the actions can change. Mm. They can be right one day, wrong the next. But we should not judge our children by their performance, but their person, they are given to us as a person. And this is one of the core truths in grace-based parenting. And if you understand that, you know, I mean, I really believe our children will grow up secure and empathy will run in our house. Amen. 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 That's so good, Pastor. So, so, so good. Uh, I, for me, like uh, empathy, I think the only way I know how to, to describe it is coming alongside someone in their pain and challenge. So it's more of the coming alongside, not to fix or anything, but really wow. to come alongside. Uh, so just for fun, I thought I would share uh, a story from my own life. So there was once uh, I was sharing and uh, I felt so nervous. And I told the person that I was going to share together with, I told him, oh man, I feel so scared. I feel so nervous. So I was hoping that this guy, he would uh, relate, you know, with, with my, my challenge, my pain and my nerves. I was hoping that he could encourage me. But then, do you know what he said? <laughs> I will never forget this because it was so unexpected. He said, Ah, oh, Miriam, don't worry. That's just your flesh. Oh. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I felt like, oh man, that was such a smack in the face right there. <laughs> and then, so thinking about empathy, I'll, uh, I remember this story from my own life because I saw what it did to me. It really like closed me up. I felt I'm, I'm not going to open up to you again. I feel that you don't really understand where I'm at and what you are saying is not really helping much. Uh, don't worry, I've forgiven this long time ago. It's it's not a big <laughs> issue. It's just a funny story today. But it's a, it's something that reminds me as a parent that that's what it feels like when you're not meant with empathy, uh, when that person does not come alongside in the pain or in the challenge. That's good. Uh, so even as a, as a mom myself, I feel so many times, you know, when it comes to meeting my, my children with empathy, because life is so busy and we have our own trigger points and we're not always uh, there to say the right thing at the right time. And I feel countless times, okay. But I want to share one time I did it right. <laughs> <laughs> and that was recently, and I have three adult children. So that just uh, goes to show how many times I failed. But this was uh, like um, a life-changing uh, moment for me because it was came from a nudge on the inside. So I have an adult son, he's 19, and he was telling me, Mom, I, I don't want to join care group today. And, you know, I get it because it's been a time of pandemic for the longest time. They have, haven't met their friends uh, physically, and it can be very intimidating to, to step in online, you know, and, and uh, just do life with people you've never met in person. So I totally get it. But my typical mom mode would be, come on, son, you can do this. You know, you know the right thing to do. So get this together. Go, go to your room and uh, join the care group. That would be my typical response. Uh, but this time I felt a different nudge on the inside. So I told him, you know what, son, I get you. I really, really get you. Do you know that's how I feel every time I also need to uh, attend care group? I also feel scared. I feel intimidated. I totally get you, you know. But do you know something? When I still join care group, I walk away from care group feeling so blessed. And I've come to realize that I need care group so much. I need community and I need those friends around me. So I just want to encourage you, you know, like you're not alone in feeling this way. But when you still go ahead and do it, you are going to walk away blessed. And then I just left it at, at that. And do you know what? He joined care group. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so I... I feel like I learned something new, like we don't have to always uh, tell them what to do and teach them and fix the problem. But really like what you just mentioned, Pastor, to to coach and to, to train and to come alongside with empathy. And what I saw with the previous story that I just shared, it shut me down, right? And like I, I close up, mm -hmm. I don't want to share anything. 
But after this incident with my son, he's come so many times after that, you know, to share with me personal things and to ask me personal questions and to open up about his life because now he saw a different approach in his mom. So I really thank God, you know, as parents, we really need the Lord to guide us and to teach us. And may we also respond to that nudge on the inside to flow with the Holy Spirit and meet our kids with the same love that He meets us with. Wow. Amen. I love it. I really love all the personal examples that you guys are sharing. Empathy is really about empowering people. It builds relationships. It's it's just simply about stepping into people's shoes, right? To see mm. the world from their perspective, from their lenses, and to acknowledge them, acknowledge their emotions, their thoughts. It it may not mean agreeing with them. But I think I really like what you guys are saying about, I mean, in your in your own personal examples, it doesn't mean agreeing with the person and everything that they're feeling, but it's simply telling them that, hey, you know, you are not alone. Mm. Your feelings are your feelings. They are real. They are legit. Yes. You know, and and I'm here with you. I'm here with you. I don't need you to get somewhere with me, but I'm here with you, and that's so good, right? Um, but can we talk about some of the things that you know perhaps we do pretty often? You know, that can trigger a loss of empathy. Yeah, how can we kind of sidestep them and and move towards showing our children even more empathy? Wow, thanks, Christia. That's good. Um. You're, you're right. How do we learn to show our kids more empathy, right? Because that's what they really need to hear from us. I think one of the things we want to do is, you know, you know, parents, sometimes I think we're always on a war footing with our kids. Okay, maybe it's not you, it's me. <laughs> maybe <laughs> it's my me house... Too. <laughs> okay, my house is a little crowded with four kids. <laughs> it's me. Let me just confess. It's me, it's me, it's me. You know, sometimes, you know, I'm always watching out. I'm the bad cop, you know. I'm trying to establish the rule and, and regimen in the house, you know. Like, pick up your things, do that. You know, where's, why is the cup on the table? That you know, I don't know. I don't know whether I'm the only parent who does that. No, nope, you're because, not the only yeah, one. <laughs> because, you know, you know, I, I just want to make sure everything is in their proper places. And, you know, sometimes when we say the wrong things at the wrong time, it's almost like we are always known to our kids as a warmonger. You know, I don't know how else to put this, you know. Oh, daddy, he's always angry. Mommy, she's always nagging. Ah, I come back home, this is what I see. Daddy, angry. Mommy, always nagging. Always telling me what I'm always not doing. Always telling me what I'm messing up with. You know, I'm trying to say these kind of things. So I think one of the things we want to do is to learn how to pick our battles and not fight wars all the time in the house. So the question would be, so what battles are good battles to pick? And what are the things we don't want to touch? You know, sometimes you just want to leave it. It's okay if the house is dirty for a bit. It's okay if the room is not really cleaned up all, of, all, all at once. It's okay if the cup is still there. Yeah, we'll tell them they will do it. You know, but what are the battles that I think we can launch into? But again, if you want to launch into this, please approach this with great discernment. Please pray in the Holy Spirit. Yes. <laughs> Please be led by the Holy Spirit when you're going into this. But I think some of the good battles that you want to touch on is honesty, you know. And I feel mm. that this is one of the things I do in my house and I I treasure, I value honesty. And so when I find honesty is broken, I would address the issue. Mm. I find respect is broken, I find I would address the issue. Because for me, honesty and respect is critical. Some of the things that I put boundaries on, and I know that I don't want to come across as a nag, but certain things like, you know, if I told you to come back home at such and such a time and you didn't come back at such and such a time, I will be talking to you about this. You know, boundaries, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So these things I will put down. And if I wanted to have a conversation, I would have a conversation on these things. But for by and large, the other things... I will tend to uh, uh, to let go. Or I won't let it slip. I'm, I know that what you want to do is good parents. I know you want to teach them discipline. I know we don't want them to just go and do all sorts of things. I know you want them to grow up as responsible, respectable young gentlemen and, and young ladies. Mm -hmm. But we want to do this at the appropriate time. Like I realize with my own kids, I'll tell them, okay, uh, you know, so-and-so, whichever child it is, the cup has been lying on the table for so long, I do not like bus stops in my house. I want the <laughs> cup to be taken from this point and put in the sink or wash it yourself and put it up to dry. It's, yes. You notice there's a follow-through, <laughs> but you know how it happens in the house with teenagers sometimes? They have bus stops, clothes are bus stopped here, another bus stop there, and before they end up in the washing machine, you know what I'm trying to say? Yes. So I could mm -hmm. pick on those things and go really crazy about it. But sometimes I would say it and then the child will come back, but I, Dad, I heard you say it before already, but it's never done at your time, right? How many of them, how many of the kids do it at your time? Never do it. <laughs> 
but they'll say, I heard it, but they, you know, but having said that, they will get to do it. But these are the these are the wars I don't want to fight. I want to fight, uh, I want to pick the right battles. Is that right? Mm, yes. And parents, I just want to say to you that I know you mean well, but you know, nagging them, mum, will not help here, you know. And I find that I know, I know you want the house clean. I want I know you want things in order, but you know, it's it's how you say what you say. And and dads, you know, um, I don't know how many times I've heard this, you know, from a teenager. My dad is always angry. My dad's responses are so angry. It breaks my heart when I hear this, you know. But a dad should be the loving, kind leader figure in the house. A dad should be the one setting the, the principles in the house in a loving, kind, daddy God kind of manner. But the way that sometimes I hear this is, daddy's always angry, mommy is always nagging. So I just want to say, that, that these are some of the things that really don't help us empathize with our children. Mm. I think, again, coming back to what I said earlier, coaching them is not about being instructional and, and, mm. and finger pointing all the time. It's coming alongside them and knowing when they are tired, knowing when they are sleepy, knowing when they've got a lot of work that they are doing, homework, for example, knowing that they are not in a great place because they just had a fight with their friend, knowing that something really bad took place, you know, during coaching or well, while they are playing a game and they didn't feel validated, their insecurities, and yeah. knowing this and flowing with them, that's empathy, right? So mm-hmm. for that to happen, we need to have conversations. And that's why listening, which is the very first uh, part of the leap, is so important. And you know, you know, kids have insecurities, right, parents? I, come on, parents, you have insecurities. I have insecurities. Sometimes you have insecurities about our work. Sometimes you have insecurities about certain things our boss may have said. And then we think that these are more important because we bring home the big parts, maybe. I don't know. And the kids don't. They're just going there. And, and sometimes we tend to downplay their issues, but their issues is just as important to them as your issues, parents, are to you, right? And so, you know, they would have the insecurities and fears as well. And, and sometimes they're trying to get that across, but it tends to get hidden. They don't want to share it because it's not cool or kosher to share it. I'm a big boy now. I'm a young lady. I'm not going to share this. And sometimes they wish beyond all wishes. Maybe they pray. Maybe I hope my parents would see this and address this with me or ask the right questions so that I can, I can just sort of share it with them, perhaps. You know what I mean? Mm. And sometimes I feel that this is how our kids are. Or well, sometimes when we when we talk, you know, we we tend to judge them for their past mistakes. I have done this before many times, and or you you always tend to do this, right? Always end up bringing up a past issue, and or always judging them on the same issues. Or perhaps we sometimes, you know, we are looking at our own mistakes and the things we have done in our past, and and because we don't want it to be repeated in our children, we sometimes come hard on our children, right? Yeah. I've done that as well. We see things and we don't want them to go down the same path we've gone down. And so we tend to be hard on them, thinking that the hardness, the instruction would help. But that's not how we work, right? Yeah. I think if somebody came alongside and, to, and just spoke to us and was kind to us and empathetic to our situation, perhaps maybe that we would listen a little bit more. And again, parents, again, I just want to say that all of us go to church and we know the scriptures very well. So please, <laughs> please... Do not share scriptures or, you know, come out with a line of scripture that you knew that you memorized very well and you said, okay, I'm going to share this now, you know. Thus says the Lord. You know, don't go down that path again. I realize with my kids, every time I open up and we share scriptures or I say, do you know what the Bible says? And, and it comes across as teaching them or instructional, yeah. they'll tend to switch off. Yeah. But when I come to them, you know, vulnerable many times in a very secular point of view, but I quietly slip in the scriptures. And just recently, just uh, two days ago, we had a discussion with my, my, my third son. He's about 19 years old. And we were talking about, you know, how, you know, Jesus never did any ministry at night. You know, he always did ministry in the daytime. There's a night that the reason for night is God prepared night for rest. And my wife came in and she said, you know, you notice there's nothing in the scripture that talks about ministry at night. And my son just launched onto a full tirade to 19 <laughs> years old. He said, no, that's not true. Oh, we can always do different things at night. We can come on, mom. Which day and age do you live in, mom? Mm-hmm. Come on, that's Jesus' day. This is different. And he went into a full-blown attack because a scripture was used. Mm-hmm. And then I, I just just sort of winked at my wife and I says, "Okay, let's just just stop it there. Left it, let it. I let it settle for a while. I did not say anything. And I says, "You know, son, do you realize that there are so many more vices that take place at night than in the daytime? You know what I mean? Drug deals happen at night, don't you think so?" 
in the cover of darkness, there are many things that happen. You notice? That's why perhaps there's safety in not going, you know, doing the things that you want to do at night. But I know it can happen in the daytime as well, but, and immediately he shut down. He just says, "Ah, uh-huh, that's right. Yep, I agree with that. Okay. And I felt that that really was, a, was another instruction moment to me as a parent that I needed to empathize. I needed to come down as a coach to see things the way he sees it, to live in his reality, to live in his now world and to address his now world, not using my own previous standards, my own past understandings, my own past insecurities, but coming together and talking with them and talking about talk, right? Teens don't talk when you want to talk to them. They talk Mm. when they want to talk to you. (laughs) They set the rules. They set the time. They set the moments. We are supposed to be listening and hearing. And many times I feel I'm coming back from work, for example, and uh, I'm I'm tired. I'm I'm just so frustrated. Things are happening. There's so many things I was dealing with. And I'm coming back home. And the last thing I want to address or talk to is is to, to listen to my son or listen to my daughter or listen to them go on and say something that they want to say. And and so what, you know, sometimes I would tend to do, I'll just sit in the car and I'll just pray and I say, Lord, I'm going back home, Lord. There's going to be another episode or whatever's going to happen in the home, Lord. Lord, just prepare my heart, Lord. I just want to give whatever it is that, I, that happened in the day over my work into your hands. And I just want to come back and I just want to be there for my children. And I want to be there. If they want to talk, I want to be there to listen. Just refresh me, Lord. And so that those moments where your own tank is empty, I just want to get refreshed from the Lord. Just sitting in the car before even stepping out of my, my car and going up to the flat and just seeing the kids. And, you know, I think these are some of the things you want to do because, you know, those moments that we have with our kids are very small and very narrow moments. And we want to just dive into those moments so that when they talk, we are there to listen, not respond in frustration not respond in anger, not respond and to start another war. We just want to be there to listen because, you know, they never had the day that you had, you know, I had. They had their own day and they want to be there and they just want to spend time talking to their. They don't have a schedule or a timetable for this. They just want to talk to their moms and dads. That's what I feel. Yeah, that's beautiful, Pastor. Really beautiful. And even the practical tip of uh, taking a break before you step into the home, I think that's so powerful. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard other parents do that as well. They would just, uh, like after work, maybe they would stop by a coffee place, you know, for 10 minutes and just have a <laughs> cup of coffee and, and just chill and breathe for a while before they step into the home so that they can be present with their family. So I think good. that's uh, really wisdom right there. Yeah. Uh, for me, something that has helped me and my husband in our parenting is also to think through uh, what's the vision for our home. Like when our kids come home from school, from from their studies, how do we want them to feel? Like what's the vibe of our home? What do we want it to be? Uh, like do we want uh, to immediately when they come back to start like attacking them, like, have you done your homework? (laughs) You know, like go to your room and study and uh, you haven't done your chores properly. Like pastor, what you mentioned, you haven't, uh, your cup is still here, you know, (laughs) can you pick up your dirty laundry? Uh, I think as, as moms, maybe especially uh, we, we end up being very naggy, like you mentioned, and also very task oriented. So for my husband and I, we really had to take time and, and talk through like what is the vision both for our marriage and also for our home. Uh, and we want our home to be a place where our kids can come home and take a breather Amen. and find rest and to to take off the pretense and and all the, the demands of the world, you know, to just so come and, and be themselves and be loved and be seen. And I love that even the story of the prodigal son, you know, to see how the father met his son. It just blows me away, you know. I'm thinking in the natural, a natural father, a natural mother like myself, either we will fight, you know, or we will freeze. Either we will shout or we will give them the silent treatment, right? And I love how the the word just shows us wisdom to see that, hey, meet your son with love. Even in a moment of 
great disappointment, right? Can you see beyond that disappointment and see your son? And and how this father, he ran towards his son and hugged him and there was celebration and a party. I think that's the vision that the Lord has for our homes, even in the midst of the messiness, the trigger points, the disappointments, the crisis or whatever, we can choose to love, we can choose to move towards one another and choose to, to forgive and be bigger than that moment, right? And to think longer than just the disappointment itself. Let's think relationships. So I, I love how the word sheds um, that kind of a wisdom and also paints uh, faith pictures for us. And also, I think it's something that we've learned is to think like, what is it like to be them? You also mentioned this, Pastor. Like, what is their world like? And And to be honest, I don't think we have any idea what it's like to be them <laughs> because it's so different from when we were teenagers. That's right. Uh, like this, they have so many demands on them. They need to perform everywhere they go. And now there's also the phone. People are taking pictures and videoing them. So they have to be careful with what they say and do. You know, everything is being recorded. And at school, they need to, to do well in school, in sports, they need to perform and do better and better. Uh, their social media needs to be, you know, uh, exciting and their life needs to be exciting. So I think once they come home, they really just want to take a breather. <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> yeah. Um, they just want to chill. So let's not meet them with like all the the homework and stuff, right? But really put ourselves in their shoes. What What is it like to be them? And, uh, and also like what I mentioned, something I've learned as a mom is instead of being so task oriented, like having a clean house and everything in place, <laughs> uh, I've learned to be more people oriented. Uh, and something we always say in the zone in the youth ministry, we say it's a, a relationship before results. Let's always aim for the relationships more than the results, actually. Although we do want the results, but if you want the results, you need to have a good relationship with your child so that you always have an inroad and a, an opening to speak into their lives. So there was once I heard of this youth. Uh, it was a, a, a teenage girl. She said, it seems like my mom is more concerned with the state of my room more than the state <laughs> of my heart. You know, when oh, I dear. heard that, it's like I felt oh, almost like my heart broke, you know, like oh, that is dear. so true. We are so concerned about the tidy room, but do we even, you know, have insight in the state of their heart? Mm. So to take time and listen and, and know where they are coming from. Our youths, they are longing for connection. They are longing for a safe person to talk to and, and to learn from, like what you said, Mom Pastor. So relationship is really, really, really key. Uh, that's where we have those uh, moments, like you also mentioned, to <laughs> to really uh, speak into their lives, to shed wisdom with them along the way. And I love this faith picture that I find in Psalms 128 verse 3. It says, your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house, your children like olive plants all around your table. Beautiful. I love that. Then we even see that the heart of your house, it's your table, huh? <laughs> your table is the heart of your house. Oh, that's so good. And that's where all the empathy, the divine conversations, that's where it takes place, you know, around the table, around a good meal. And that's where we as moms, we have that privilege. We Often we are the ones doing the cooking. So we get to, you know, set the vibe in our homes. We can uh, like think of good food to cook so that our kids want to come and sit with us around the table. That That's a, true. It's a time of celebration, right? <laughs> uh, so this is also just um, an encouragement to moms because myself, I, I'm not really a great cook and I don't really like to cook. <laughs> uh, but if some, it's something the Lord has taught me along the way as well to start envisioning what kind of food you want to serve and start learning new recipes and make the most out of it. It can be simple, you know, but we can put our heart into the cooking because it's the heart of the house. And this is where a lot of divine connections take place. Mm. So the way I see the, the table is it's a time of nourishing spirit, soul, and body. So like the mom cooks, right? Or the dad can also cook, whoever can cook. <laughs> uh, like it's the nourishing for our bodies. And then while we're having this nourishing for our bodies, we're also having nourishing for our souls. Mm. You know, we can be intentional about the things we talk about around the table. 
Uh, we can talk, we can share personal things, we can share our personal concerns. We can even ask them, can can you all pray for me? Like I'm going through something difficult right now. So we set the tone by by being vulnerable ourselves as parents. And I think that's also being a good role model mm. that we don't pretend that we have it all together, but we also need community and we also need one another. And we also need support and encouragement along mm. the way. Amen. And then it also kind of invites them to do the same. Like if mom and dad can be open and personal and vulnerable, that means that they also can do that without being shamed or or judged for what they share. So true. And I also love that around the table, we can use it to impart wisdom and even plant dreams. You know, like ask them questions and they start, it's like the Holy Spirit just painting pictures on their hearts along the way, you know. And also, this is still part of the soul to really look at your teen, you know, see them and give them compliments. You know, tell them why I'm so proud of you. You look so pretty today. Mm-hmm. So you are actually nourishing their souls. Say beautiful, friendly beautiful. And, and lovely things to them, right? And, and also strengths, you know, highlight as parents, we can highlight, wow, I see you are so good in this this specific area. You know, like when you when you sing, uh, there's an anointing in your voice. I'm, I'm touched when you sing or when you speak, there is weightiness and authority. And do you know this really empowers our children and gives them confidence and to know that God has a plan for their lives. Not many people will, will like highlight their strengths. Most people will highlight their weaknesses. So this is also part of the, the vision of the home to be a place where we speak highly of one another and to one another. And even if there are mistakes, uh, because they will need correction, you know, along the way. Let's not pretend, huh? Like everything yeah. is empathy and friendly yeah. talk, huh? Yeah. You know, sometimes our so kids good. need a pro- uh, they need correction as well, and that's also nourishing to their souls. Very good. Um, so I thought to share uh, a short story of when I was twelve. So I'm just a tween, right, moving into the teenage <laughs> years, and I was. Uh, I think a little bit lazy when it comes to brushing my teeth. <laughs> and I thought nobody noticed. <laughs> like who cares whether you brush your teeth or not, right? <laughs> uh, so this was the time my dad actually corrected me. And I remember it to this day. Uh, our family was on our way. It was a Saturday and we, we were out. Uh, we were going to go swimming. And I was so looking forward to it. So uh, I have four siblings. So my four siblings, they, they got out of the car before me. And then my dad just stopped me. He said, Miriam, can you just wait a while? Uh, So he had a chat with me in the car and then he just said, Miriam, do you know that it's very important to brush your teeth in the morning and in the evening? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, you noticed? Oh, (laughs) oops. I had like no clue that anybody could tell, you know. And that's it, you know. He stopped there. He said, okay, let's go and swim. And it was so short and so sharp and so kind at the same time. And and I I remember it to this day, you know, it made such an impression of me. It was actually nourishing to my soul. And now every day I do brush my teeth morning and evening. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is not a deep correction, right? But it's still a correction. And and he wanted to set me up for success rather than being embarrassed by my friends or other people, right? To tell me that, hey, your breath stinks, right? He he was so kind to just say it the way he did. Uh, And also uh, when it comes to... Because we talk about uh, um, nourishing for spirit, soul, and body, right? So we talked about food is for the body. And all along now, I've been talking about the soul, how we can encourage and also correct. But there's also the spirit element. So for our family, not that we do this for every meal, okay? But quite often, we do end off with prayer. Like we will um, partake of Holy Communion together. And if uh, somebody is going through a tough time, we just, hey, let's let's pray about this. Like if you're going to a doctor's appointment or you have an exam or something that you're worried about, let's just bring this to the Lord together as yeah. a family. Amen. So that there is really nourishing for spirit, soul, and body. So this, and, and also like these conversations, you know, we eat several times a day. So it's not like we have to rush through these conversations. We have Very to finish good. everything that we are talking about. <laughs> but we can take it like, like meal by meal. Beautiful. Uh, we don't have to complete it. So I love that it's an ongoing conversation through the week, through the months, through the years. Amen. Wow. Yeah. 
it's actually about prioritizing that conversation as well, right? Like not looking at the phones, not everyone on the TV. That's right. Yeah, really yeah. just awesome. taking time to listen to one another, spend time with one another and, and just having open conversations that are not just about, have you done your schoolwork? Have yes. you done your, you know, have you done the housework? Have you, you know, done yeah. your laundry and stuff? Beautiful. Yeah, that's so good, Miriam. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, I love it, Miriam. I love what you says because those conversations, they open the door to the heart. And that's what we're going to do today, right? Yeah. Even the example you shared about your dad, you know, the way he corrected you is the approach he took, the kindness that that came out. You know, it could have come out in many different forms, but it came out very kind. And he took this place as the dad of the house. And it's interesting, after so many years, you still remember it. I just appreciate also what you said about, um, you know, the prodigal son. I can imagine the response of the father could have been, why did you do this? You want to come back home now, is it? Is that why you, what is it you want from me now? You took all my money already, isn't it? You know, it could go down that road, right? But he didn't. He didn't remind him of the sin. He reminded him of his sonship. And I loved it. And he spoke to the heart, right? Yeah. He says, my son is lost and now he's back, you know, and and he closed the son with favor that was undeserved. Isn't that what it was? Yes, totally. And uh, I love what you shared about because, you know, you, I felt you there, sister, and you said about the prodigal son because I would have responded (laughs) negatively. Yeah. (laughs) And I would come, you know, some preaching, you know, so, you know, or something that I shouldn't be saying, you know what I mean? Or some, you know, but that was not the point. Isn't that right? And I love the fact you said that the house... Uh, the the heart of the table, the house of the, is the table. I love that because that reminds me so much of uh, you know my own home. I'm not putting a feather on my cap, but the most well used seats in the house in my home is the dining table. Yeah, and uh, this is where people sit and they don't leave. This is where conversations take place. Everything that you said, and and I realized looking back. I mean, just hearing you speak, Miriam, I realized that this was the truly when you said the table was the heart of the house, it suddenly all dawned on me and it clicked together, you know, wow. how, you know, God was even orchestrating my own home, you know, not that I planned it that way, but you just put it into perspective, into biblical perspective, you know. And I love that because one of the things we did from earlier on is we said no telephones on the table, no distractions on the table. Around the table, we sit and we talk. You know, I want to see my olive shoots, which are my four kids around me. We'll have a conversation together. We talk about anything and everything that comes along. Yeah. We talk about, you know, conflicting subjects. We talk about things that happen in the newspaper. We talk about anything and everything. Why this particular policy was or why is this happening in the school? What is happening exactly as you said, you know, the exams coming up. Oh, you did this today. What happened here today? And it's almost like a central meeting place, you know, of the house where everybody shares information so that everybody gets informed of everything that's going on in everybody else's life. It is almost like the center of the house. It is so beautiful. Amen. And, you know, I pray and I wish that this vision that, you know, Miriam just painted will be a place that will take place in your own homes, you know, where the table is the central place, where Mm. you put aside everything else, but around the table, there are conversations. And can you have all sorts of different conversations in the home? Yeah, exactly. You know, I just want to say that even around our table, we've talked about different things. Can I just be really open today? We've talked about the subject of uh, boy-girl relationships. We've talked about things that they notice while they're on the train back and certain things that they realize and see couples doing. And, you know, sometimes they'll say things, you know, why do they do that on the train? And they could have found a more private place. You know, things like that, really Mm. open things, right? We've talked about pornography, for example, and how it you know affected different people and how it has affected different lives and you know and they read the newspapers as well. They read, they hear the news, and although I read the physical newspapers, they read the newspapers on their phone. Yeah. So they do read the news, and this is you know so, so and so did this, and somebody was caught doing this, and some some sexual misconduct happened here, and and so we talk about these subjects and how it has been on the rise recently. And sexuality is on the rise recently, you know, and, and issues of sexuality is on the rise. Gaming issues, for example, and we talk about their video games, what are the things that are playing, what are good, what are not good, their mental health, how do they feel, perhaps they're feeling a little down. All sorts of things are being discussed around the table. And if the conversation is 
is a little more private towards one particular child, we will take it out of the table. Yeah, that's And then good, we will address yeah. it separately. But when it's around the table, when I realize that it is so good that just to have it around the table and so that everybody gets to learn something, even the youngest child gets to learn something and the conversations are not so high and, and, so, and so into the heavens that nobody below the age of 12 can understand. We try to keep it simple. <laughs> yes, we try to keep yeah. it so that everybody understands the least common denominator, right? the lowest child, the smallest child can understand. And I found that many times they will raise up very conflicting and challenging statements. Yeah. Sometimes I'll say something and um, about a number of different topics and then they'll come across very strong and they're almost like they're challenging me, you know. But I need to understand at that point in time, Miriam, you said that just now, we need to be really secure in the Lord. We need to be very secure in our own tank that's filled with the love of God and not react. Yeah. And I find that sometimes when they're challenging, they're just saying things that they're in their heart. They have got a whole lot of information, more information they have than they have wisdom. And I think parents at that point in time, and I had to remind myself many times, calm down, Matthews. They're not attacking <laughs> you. They're not attacking mommy. They are just... A, they're, they, are, they have got a very strong opinion. They're very passionate about certain things, yes. Yes. especially about their peers, about their own little things that their peers do, which is okay. TikTok is fantastic, you know. Well, I don't think so. And I'm moving right along, you know. But I need to go there and through the conversations and 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 and, and act or pretend that I know exactly what you're talking about. You know what I mean? <laughs> Although I, I don't watch TikTok, so I won't know. And they're talking about these different things and. I need to be calm and and not not shut it down. What the TikTok? Not no more TikTok in this house. Okay, no, you know, this sort of stuff will really destroy them. So I'm 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 trying to understand where they are and flow mm. through, right? And I love the fact that you know that they they have a lot of information coming from the outside. Yeah, they don't know how to process this information, and they are looking for direction to process the information. They don't have wisdom. They have a lot of information. They have a lot of knowledge. But what they want from the mums and dads is wisdom, right? Yeah. And I just, uh, sometimes those calm conversations when we talk about anything without feeling offended, without yeah, feeling yeah. conflicted, mm. without getting angry, mm. without feeling that it's a direct attack on you, your person, your parenthood, mm. without having, you know, a really a sense of security, mums and dads. Yeah. I think if we can have that and impart that to the kids, There'll be beautiful conversations mm. around the table, I think. Is that right? You yeah, know, it's yes. also part of empathy, parents, if you're listening to this. The Bible talks about this. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath or to anger, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. I love the word training there because it ties in with something that's in Proverbs 22, which I'll share a little bit. And again, in Colossians 3, verse 21, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. I find in these two verses very key indicators of empathy. Hmm. Because sometimes, in, you know, if we don't empathize with our children, we tend to provoke them. We may not want to do that, but unintentionally we end up doing it. Yeah, because we're not reading their hearts. We're not feeling what they feel. We apply our agenda and we apply our sense of right and wrong. We apply our divine orders. And in this way, whether we know it or not, we are provoking them. They're yeah. getting angry. They feel that they're not being understood. But the Bible says we should not provoke them, neither should we discourage them. And that's what we want to pick up here today. And, and I think that's a strong point for empathy. And so how do we not discourage our teens? How do we come alongside them and train them? I love the Bible says, the Bible calls us yoking, you know. The Bible says that we are, we are yoked with Christ, right? And I just, and I have this beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus that he doesn't, he's not there scolding us at all times. Although I think sometimes we deserve the scolding, at least I do. <laughs> but he comes alongside and he challenges us. He yeah. encourages us. He's that voice, Miriam, that you said, that is your dad. Mm. In a quiet, calm tone. I'm sharing this with you because I think this is good for you, my precious mm. daughter. I see that in the way the Lord speaks to us. There's a whole lot of kindness. There's calmness. Yeah. There's a whole lot of love that comes out. There's empathy that is backing the whole thing. There's wisdom that comes out. And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 4, Proverbs 1 starts by saying that wisdom is the principal thing. And what is the purpose of wisdom? Wisdom that comes from the parents 
is to give prudence to the simple. Hey, that's, that, those are your young lads, your teenagers. They give knowledge to the young men. They give discretion to the young men. And where does this wisdom come from again? This wisdom comes from the parents. Mm. This wisdom is the ability for the kids to understand and apply the knowledge they have, to see where God fits in this big plan that they have, yeah. to see, you know, to see the bigger, the grander scheme of things, you know. And they need to get this wisdom from the Lord. And the parents are the ones that imparts this wisdom. So good. Is that right? So I think, you know, when we, 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 we can teach them responsibility, we don't treat them as a young kid, but we treat them as fully mature adults. And that's why I want to come to this point about Proverbs 22 verse 6. And Pastor Prince has shared this many times. And he says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. And I love the word. The word child there in the Hebrew is the word na'ar. Na'ar is a word for a young lad, a teenager. It's not a child, child like baby. It's a young person, mm. a young lad. Wow. And I really believe that the way to do it is to train up the child. We talked about this, right? Fathers, you know, do not provoke your children, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Training up a child is to put good words in their mouth. And we've heard this in church being preached, and I love it. It's to train their mouth by putting good things into their mouth. Is that right? teaching them the word, teaching them, and wisdom comes from the word, right? Giving them a taste for spiritual things, imparting mm. some spirituality in their, in their conversation, telling them that, you know, hey, this is what I saw in the scripture. I, you know, I read something today that was so good today, you know, and your kids are open vessels, right? Their radars are open, they're white, and they're listening to you. I thought this is so good, and you shared something spiritual. You shared a taste for the word. You shared a miracle that happened to you that day around yeah. the dining table. You shared an answered prayer that happened that particular day or that particular week that you prayed and you're believing God for, and they're listening to it. They mm -hmm. will not bar humbug and walk out of the table. They will listen to it. Yes. And in the right time, right place, they will use that, that, that little insight, the nugget that you shared at that point in time and apply it to their own life. Mm, so good. And this is where we come to, you know, even Proverbs 31, we are, you know, I just want to end off there at this point in time. It says, Solomon's mother, Solomon's mother, and we know it's Bathsheba, Solomon's mother called Solomon Lemuel in Proverbs 31. It was a nice pet name that she called her son. And what was she talking to her son about? She didn't, she didn't share everything that needed to be shared. And I love what Miriam says, use your conversations wisely. Don't preach the whole 25 chapters into your son's <laughs> life over one afternoon or one dinner table, mm -hmm. uh, you know, episode. But share little things. And it's interesting in Proverbs 31, you notice that the mother was just saying things like, hey, son, let me just tell you about certain things concerning leadership, son. And he says, you know what? Beware women. Don't give your life to women. And she was just talking to about her son about sexuality issues. Interesting, huh? How a mother having a conversation with her son about sexuality issues. Mm. Don't spend your time drinking because it's going to ruin you. He's talking about drinks and substance abuse and alcohol abuse and so many other things she was talking about. Even in the first few verses of uh, Proverbs 31, she was talking to him about his identity as a king. Yeah. How he needs to be, you know, to be mindful that he's a king and carry himself well. To live a life perhaps maybe that's larger than himself, to think about others. She was imparting wisdom. So good. She was imparting values. She was imparting faith pictures. Just as Miriam said, you must have faith pictures in your family, faith pictures for your home. Because God, and this is the year of His own vision, is that right? Yeah. God will answer those faith pictures that you have. But you need to share it around the dinner table. Share it in intentional conversations with your children. Share it. Impart the wisdom. Impart the values. And you know what? And, and, you know, those are the points that the child hears. The child hears your heart. And I just believe that when Solomon took the throne, and the Bible says he was a young lad when he took the throne. He was not more than 17 years old when he took the throne. Mm. And it's interesting, we have 17-year-olds in our house. We have 17, we have kids that are above 12 years old in our homes. Yep. We have younger children in our homes. We have, you know, uh, and, and God wants us to really impart into our children's lives, right? Hmm. And you know, moms, you have a place to play as well in this place. Is that right? No, I'm so encouraged by, by Proverbs 31 to see it from that point of view that a mother is having these kind of conversations with her, her son, you know, and, and also daughters, I believe. 
it's like we are empowered to have those kind of conversations. We don't just have to talk about the weather or food or, or your <laughs> grades, you know, but really talk about the, the things that matter in life that we want to set them up for success and start young. You know, uh, start when they are really young, not when they are teens, actually. For us in our family, we, we had these kind of conversations from they were maybe uh, four, four years old and above. Mm. Um, like wow. what kind of um, family do you want to have? What kind of children? We talked about alcohol, but it's never in a preachy tone. Mm. But it's more uh, sharing thoughts that we have, Beautiful. stories that we've heard, testimonies and all that. And then as you know, we have these kind of conversations, uh, something is imparted to them. Uh, and, and it becomes their own value. So when they are older, we don't have to say, you mustn't drink, huh? you mustn't drink, uh, <laughs> because they already have that as their own value from a kid, you know, from they were little. Yes. And, and I also love that as parents, we can always move towards our children, never move away from them. Oh, Even so good. in times of great disappointment, you know, your kids, our kids, they will disappoint us, you know. They can never live uh, perfect lives. Uh, they will make mistakes. They will fail and they will disappoint us. And then how do we as parents handle that? And that's where our message, the beautiful gospel, right? The grace of God is that we always move towards them. Beautiful. Always move towards, never away from. Even when our kids shut us off, they they lock the door to their room. They don't want to talk to us. It happens, you know. <laughs> Then how do we handle that as parents? Let's we don't push, right? We don't like chase them down, uh, but we we move towards. So we always look for a way to reconnect, Amen. to restore that relationship. Yeah. Even if they say that they don't want to spend time with us, we will always look for ways to spend time with them. Yeah. Always, always move towards and to impart that there's nothing you can do to make you to make me love you more. And there is nothing you can do to make me love you less. Oh, that's so you know, good. My, my love for you is constant. It's it's who you are and not what you do, good or bad. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. That's the Lord's love for us. Beautiful. And we get to love like that because yes. He loves us first. Amen. And I'm not saying that it's easy. <laughs> it's not easy. This is where the, the guy I told you about, right, is your flesh. <laughs> Our flesh will surely uh, flare up. <laughs> We want to smack them, right? But, yeah. but the grace of God, you know, sometimes Beautiful. it's hard to step in like that. Uh, but by His grace, we can and we will. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Amen. I love that. I, I, I love that everything that we are sharing, right? As we were talking about it, the Lord was just showing me that it's actually God who is our Heavenly Father doing all of that to us. Right. Yes. He's always the, the father who's running towards the prodigal son. Because as parents, we will fail. Yes. Yep. And we it's are true. looking for people to say, hey, you know, it's okay for you to fail. And like, you know, there is empathy for you. We, we understand that, you know, uh, we're not judging you, right? Whatever we are sharing today, it's not out of like us pro from a place that we can. And we're judging people. But it's, it's just simply saying that, hey, you know, like receive the grace that the Lord has Amen. for us. For us Amen. Right? It's so beautiful. And and I love the picture that we're painting for the parents that, hey, you know, God is the one who is running towards us, embracing us, right? To take time with Him. Even when we shut the door on Him, He is waiting for us to have that conversation with Him, right? So good, Christine. Yeah, and that's how we can as parents do the same for our children. Amen. Yeah, and, and through empathy that opens doors, right? To small little conversations that we can have around the table, it leads to deeper conversations, conversations that build relationships, That's relationships right. that open hearts That's right. to receiving the impartation of wisdom. That's right. Wow, it's so rich. Pastor, one last thing that you have on your heart for the people who are listening in today, Pastor. Well, I've got many things in my heart, Christine. <laughs> this is so Just difficult. Just one. <laughs> That's why I love this topic because it's something I have struggled with through the years and something which God is still teaching me. I'm still not uh, there yet. How to empathize because sometimes, uh, so Miriam, you said it so rightly, you know, my flesh rises up. Mm. And parents, if you're just anything like me, you're the same. And the flesh rises up because you feel a sense of uh, indig mm. indignation. You feel uh, you want to respond with your flesh, you know. But just to round this off today, I'm looking back at Jesus and I'm seeing our compassionate high priest. And that's what he's called, isn't it? Again, Hebrews 4.15, our compassionate high priest. And I really believe empathy comes from Him. So 
I'm just going to say to the parents here, if you if you cannot make it like maybe Miriam and I, and we have failed, Jesus will never fail. I just want mm. to say that to you. And if you ask him to download empathy into your heart, and that comes because you love your child, and I know you love your child. If not, you will never be there for them. And I'm thank you for parents for being there for them. Mm. And I know you want to see things change in your household. And I know God wants to step in and be that partner with you to see that change happen. So in a while, I'm going to pray because I feel it in my heart that, you know, we want to empower parents in this area. So before that, I just want to say that I see empathy in Jesus when he goes to Nain. Of all the cities in Israel, Nain is a very small city. And the Bible says that a widow had lost her young son, her lad. Perhaps you are a parent and you feel that, you know, maybe... Your son, your daughter is not altogether there at home. Almost feels like a loss, like this widow in Naim. And the Bible says Jesus went, not that he was invited, he went. He went to Naim, met the widow at the gate. The son had died, told the son to put, told the pallbearers to put the coffin down, raised the son, the young man. And this word there again is Naar, the young man. Training up your child, the child is the young man which is Na'ar, and he had compassion on them. Jesus told the woman, caught in adultery, another story, that he doesn't condemn her. And that he, and then he shows her the way to go and sin no more. Is that right? Yeah. That's, that's all you find. He never had a word, a negative word to speak to that, that, that woman who was wronged all her life, perhaps, you know. Maybe, you know, maybe we never had, took a time, perhaps parents never took the time to really understand the child your young lad, your young maiden at home. And the child has been trying to say things and maybe the child is caught up in a web, in a world that he or she cannot get out of, you know, like the woman who was caught in adultery, couldn't get out of that web. And then here comes Jesus, did not give her condemnation, encouraged her, embraced her, and treated her like another individual, gave her respect, honoured her, and things changed, is it right? Like what we've been saying all along today, Empathy always brings empowerment. And you see this in these two stories. The Bible also says that, you know, Jesus in Matthew 9, verse 36, he was moved with compassion when he saw the crowds. And again, I want to remind you that that empathy, that compassion comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I pray that parents, we will see our children as sheep with no shepherd. Parents, you are the shepherd, the shepherd figures in their lives. You know, our children can fail and they will fail. And God didn't call us to be a judge or a lawgiver. God, God called us to be a parent, a shepherd in our homes. Moms, dads, you share the same responsibility. God told us to show them no condemnation. God told us to show them love. And if you feel that your love tank is no longer full, only God can fill that love tank right up. Is that right, parents? Mm, yeah. and, you know, and when that love tank is full, I promise you the empathy will flow. Because empathy comes out of love. Is that right? And I know you love your kids. And so I just want to end off with Romans 8, verse 8, chapter 8, verse 31. It says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Is that right? You know, um, maybe, you know, things are not so fantastic at home for you today. Or maybe, you know, you're, you're, you have a, a difficult teen or teens in your home today and you're just wondering how to set things right. I want to say that the same way you don't heap condemnation on your children, God does not heap condemnation on you first. Amen. He does not heap condemnation on us at all. And I just want to remind you parents that when you step into this space, I want you to come back to know that you are you're righteous in Christ, that when you partake of the Holy Communion, you really partake the blood with, with knowledge, knowing that the blood of Jesus has washed you and made you whiter than snow that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, that God doesn't condemn you for your failures. But, you know, in the same way, we will not hold it against our own children. But it starts with us first, right, parents? We model for our children, right? And the thing is, condemnation can be sneaky, right? The minute condemnation comes in, you know what comes in first? Anger, insecurity, frustration. But that's not where God wants to take us. God wants to remove that condemnation from us. And you know what? He did that at the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. 
But we need to remind ourselves there is therefore now no condemnation because God doesn't condemn you. And the minute condemnation comes comes in, parents, you'll tend to be angry with yourself. You'll come to, and you'll be angry with the people around you. And you know what? All the things that you want to do, you know, um, you know, this doesn't happen. God wants you to remember that He does not see sin in you because He has washed you. He is cleansed you, get up and continue to live a beautiful life in, in, in the Lord and let your children be around you like olive shoots Amen. around your table. So I just want to pray at this point in time, if you just join your fates with me, join your heart with me, let's just pray. Father, I just thank you for this podcast. I just thank you that, Lord, there's so many things to share in my heart and Miriam's heart has been so full, Lord, to share these things. Empathy is such a real thing, Lord, and empathy is so needed in our homes, Lord. Many times with the things that are going on around us, the frustrations, Father, many times we, uh, we engage anger or we allow the anger to rule in our lives. We allow the frustrations to reign in our homes, but that's not what God wants us to, to, to flow in. God wants, to flow in his, wants us to flow in love. God wants us to flow in peace. God wants to allow His empathy, His kindness, His compassion to flow into parents. And I pray for each and every parent listening in today, Father. I thank you that what has happened in the past is no more, has been washed by the blood. But Father, you're starting new journeys. You're starting new things, new beginnings in every one of these parents' lives. Father, you are releasing, in fact, offloading, unloading, pouring in, Huge doses of empathy into their lives, compassion, kindness, love, joy, peace. Father, I pray that you change the the whole the way homes are right today, Lord. Change it, Father. Change the structure. Change the atmosphere in the homes. Let it be a, made brand new because, Lord, you want to do brand new things in the homes. You want to see young men and young ladies, young gentlemen and young maidens in the house grow strong, healthy, responsible, respectable, honorable, that Lord Jesus, their holds their own, their sons and daughters of righteousness, their children will, will take the next lap, will be strong, even stronger than their parents in their faith. Father, we want to see that happen in the days and the weeks to come, Father. Father, change the atmosphere in the house. Mm. Let empathy rule in a mighty way, Lord. Father, we pray this, we ask this. Let it happen, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. 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 Wow, that's so powerful, Pastor. Thank you for praying over all our families. And you know, parents, I just want to encourage us that as we see our Heavenly Father parent us, we will do the same for our children. The Lord empathizes with us, so receive His love, receive His grace, receive His gift of no condemnation, and empathy will come out of the overflow. Then you will see doors open to a whole new world of real and vulnerable conversations with your children. Amen. This week, can we encourage you to deep dive with the Lord and meditate on Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Also, try asking your children to share about something that you did, which made them feel understood and accepted. We pray you'll have such a blessed time with the Lord and your children. Stay tuned to our next episode for even more of Leap, where we finish off with Ask, Point and Pray. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Grace-Based Living Podcast by New Creation Church. We hope you've enjoyed our deep dive into the practical handles of raising and parenting teens. Do check out the additional resources we've prepared for you in our show notes. Till the next time, be greatly blessed, highly favoured and deeply loved.